Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea, or maybe a frothy ale. The light, why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. This time, Moraine said, we do not run. We dare not run. World and time rest on Rand, on the dragon reborn. This time, we fight. Moraine, the hammer, chapter 50, and the dragon reborn. Hello and welcome back. I am here with my wonderful friend, Tracy. I am here with my marvelous friend, Amber. And we are the Road to Tarvalin. Today, talking about four more chapters of The Dragon Reborn, and we are almost at the end of the book. I'm so hyped. There's so much awesomeness about to go down, and it's it's starting up here. Oof. It is starting up. Oof. There were so many little things throughout it where I was like, it's almost time. It's almost time. Like... Robert Jordan is so good at the slow burn, and it's always, meh, more often than not, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm not a big fan of the slow burn, but mm-hmm. not like a huge complaint. Mm-mm. No. I will say the there's a new character introduction this week that I'm so happy about because... I don't think a lot of people really give a crap about Julen, mm-hmm. but I love the man. I think he's great. I think mm-hmm. he's a wonderful character. And, okay, this is not a spoiler, mm-hmm. but he's one of those characters that you will see him, like, much later on. And to me, that was always something that I really appreciated because I just... I like this guy. There's mm-hmm. something about this kind of normal man who's mm-hmm. just doing his thing and yeah, he's got a cool job, got a cool got cool <laughs> white hair, he's got a cool weapon. He's just an awesome guy. Yeah. He has confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit of swagger. Mhm. Mhm. I mean, we can talk about it when we get to the chapter, but there's just a moment where he's like, "No, no, I'm not I'm not talking myself up. This is just the truth as I see it, and this is what's going to happen. And I'm like, all right, all right. <laughs> but if you are ready to get started, I have Heck yeah. chapter summaries for us. 48, following the craft. And uh, so many new introductions. What a good title, too. I really like the title of this chapter. I don't know why. It just it feels kind of witchy and connected in some way and I just like it I just like it yeah and they've used the chapter icon the trefoil leaf for this chapter which I think is really interesting because this can mean the ways you know like the trefoil leaf Mm -hmm. but here they're using it I feel like a part of like herb craft I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of wondered about it when I was looking at it this morning I was like wait a minute why are they using that like there's no gear in this chapter there's no ways in this chapter and that's usually what I associate that with but instead it's healing and I like that so a very queasy Egwene is beyond grateful that their journey to Tyr is at an end. Their horses are brought off the ship, and the young women go about finding a place to stay where the Black Aja won't immediately descend upon them. Nynaeve finds a healer shop in the mall, and as luck would have it, she has room to spare along with a suggestion for someone to help them find the women they are looking for. Yes, okay. Yeah, nice and simple. So... I was, I've been like getting over this illness and getting to this point where Egwene is talking about like being on the boat and being rocked and Nynaeve getting sick Mm -hmm. and she's trying to think of things in her head to kind of like keep the feelings of nausea away. Mm -hmm. 
I started to feel sick. I Did was you? Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's not go there. Oh no. So I don't I don't know if that's a like congratulations, Robert Jordan. You're such a good writer that you made me feel <laughs> sick. I think it is. Yeah. The imagery is really relatable. I was like, oh yeah, I've She's that thinking way. about birds and she's like, a hummingbird. No, 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 no. not humming. No. <laughs> like anything with motion is just too much. It's too much. Like mm-hmm. I think at this point the only thing that Gwen and Nynaeve are really agreeing on is how much they both hate ships. Like <laughs> cause She's got her mm-hmm. head like over the railing of the ship, and Nynaeve has been basically staying more or less below deck, I guess. And like a queen, <laughs> when a queen is around Nynaeve and Nynaeve gets sick, then a queen is sick like directly behind her. And poor Elaine has <laughs> these two women who just can't like keep their stomachs down. Poor thing. All of them. Yeah, it's starting off with this contention between Egwene and Nynaeve, and it's so, uh, it's so hard to read. It's so annoying. I hate mm-hmm. it. I hate it. There's, I, I just, uh, shaking my fists. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Not like written badly. It makes me angry. Mm-hmm. So. The happy, like, turnover is when they reach the mall and Nynaeve is like, oh, we're not going to an inn. And Mm -hmm. Egwene is kind of, like, grumbling. Mm -hmm. So they end up passing by this shop with herbs in the window and we meet this healer woman. I don't know how you want to say this. Il Ilhuen Ilhuen mm-hmm. I don't know. That's that's how it sounds in my head when I read it. So this healer woman and Nynaeve have like a face-off moment which was so <laughs> delightful. They're kind of going back and forth mm-hmm. and kind of trying to like gauge each other's knowledge and mm-hmm. healing. Mm-hmm. so they're like how do you set a bone what do you give a pregnant woman mm-hmm. and they're going back and forth and naming herbs and poultices and what you would wrap a wound with and going back and forth and forth and back and <laughs> it's like this test of wisdom mm-hmm. and knowledge and it was just so much fun and I could so easily see this in my head as I was going down the page mm-hmm. I thought it was a really fun little sidestep from Mm -hmm. the Egwene naive situation it's kind of cozy like even even though they haven't really been like I think it takes a minute for mother Gwen it's kind of how I say it in my head when I read it but it takes her a minute before she's like done with that almost grilling aspect that they're going back and forth with and then like the tea comes out and they settle in to like talk to each other and of course a queen's getting impatient but it's starting out as kind of like a competition and it mm-hmm. ends in respect between mm-hmm. these two women which mm-hmm. I just I don't know I find that really heartwarming and fun and I would love to see this on the TV show because mm. I can just picture Zoe Robbins like mm-hmm. with that face, you know? Yes. And yes. I think it's a testament to Nynaeve that she's not bitchy to be bitchy. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of it, you can tell like there's this mutual respect. So mm-hmm. it's like they recognize this in each other. So I mean Obviously, Nynaeve has a huge issue with Moraine, and mm-hmm. she's easily angered by things that, ha- that I guess, she assumes Moraine has done. Mm-hmm. Some cases she's right, some cases not so much, but mm-hmm. I think that 
in this setting, you can see that Nynaeve is a more wholesome side of her. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I think it's it's her authentic side, too, when you think about it. Like, this is her yeah. thing. This is what she yeah. knows. And we haven't really had a whole lot of time with Nynaeve in role as wisdom and healer and she definitely like I feel as though for her healer is the primary descriptor yeah yeah like wisdom came along with the territory when she was in the two rivers but I think the transition from that to her going to the white tower and realizing there's an entire group of women dedicated to healing like that was probably really eye-opening for her that she could like focus in on that one area but I also like when you were talking about how she was feeling towards Moraine I was thinking Nynaeve really seems to show a lot more (laughs) respect for healers as in like wisdoms or whatever other names they come across people who just do it with like herbs and hot towels and teas and things like that as opposed to the way that the Aes Sedai do it like she she feels almost more scornful of using the one power than she does of using nature and your wits to take care of someone yeah but it's there's also like an efficiency about doing things like the old school way if they Mm -hmm. work Mm -hmm. because channeling Mm -hmm. takes something from you Mm mm-hmm And I don't know, like, maybe this whole scenario was also a little bit about sussing out this woman to make sure she really is what she appears to be and to see if she can trust her Mm -hmm. by, like, staying here, making sure, you know, she's not a dark friend, trying to figure out if there's anything suspicious going on. Yeah, good point. Good point. I do, the the other thing that I wrote down is, you know, since the chapter is called Following the Craft, about how this conversation carries that craft in a way that we actually get to see as the reader, and I think it's delightful. I like this addition that comes in here. And I mean, seriously, Robert Jordan's knowledge base is ginormous. Yeah, yeah. We have this in-depth moment with, like, discussing certain ways of healing, and then later on, parents' moment at the smithy, where it's like, what is there? There there have to be things he doesn't know about, but his knowledge base is really expansive. It's so impressive. Yeah, it really is, indeed. The only little note that I had made in regards to their discussion around the healing of things that was like in any way kind of negative I suppose was Mother Gwenna when she is so dismissive of childbirth like oh give me something difficult to deal with as though bringing in new life is really easy every single time I was like no 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 Yeah, but I saw that as, like, common knowledge. Like, how many people mm-hmm. have babies? So how many midwives are wandering around that know, like, okay, this simple... Like, technique to do kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just, I was like, hmm, maybe, maybe it's just, like, the reading and things that I've been doing and viewing where, like, birth has not been, you know, just bring me some hot water and towels and everything will be fine kind of thing. But I can see what you're saying, that it's like, everyone knows that. It could also be Robert Jordan, like, not really, I don't know, putting in his research. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be as easy as him thinking, like, oh, it's been, women have been having babies since, you know, the dawn of time, (laughs) and nothing important to see here, but I don't know. (laughs) It's so easy. It's so easy. Hot water and towels. Everyone is fine. (laughs) Yeah. So after this, I guess, like showdown between the wisdom and Mother Gwenna, 
we get to kind of feel, I think, that Nynaeve trusts this woman, and then mm-hmm. she kind of, like, goes in for the big question, like, can you help us? Can we stay here? And what type of person do we need to find these people who have stolen from us? Mm-hmm. And Mother Gwenna is like, I know just the guy. He's, you know... He's great at what he does. Mm -hmm. And there's also this implied backstory on like maybe they were in a relationship at one point, Mm. which was like kind of cute. And Julen enters the story. And as Nynaeve is giving him the rundown, she's making a really big point to say just because these women we are describing are women mm-hmm. like listen to me like plain and clear they are the most dangerous people you will ever come across they can kill you just as easy as me swatting at a fly mm-hmm. and please 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 don't be mm-hmm. don't hand wave it julen and he's like no i'm listening i'm hearing you I was just going to say, I love when he says, I will behave as if these women are all Aes Sedai and Black Aja. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it kind of seems like things are settled. And, you know, like there's this calm moment afterwards as I was reading and I was kind of just like, okay, like the end of the chapter is here. Mm-hmm. Good story, good show. I'm feeling very satisfied with it. And then fucking Egwene. Girl, that was low, low hanging fruit. She says to Moraine, You are learning how to be an Aes Sedai. You manipulate people as well as Moraine. And mm-hmm. I was like, Dude, so uncalled for. What yeah. do you want her to do? Yeah. What do you want her to do? Use you as bait? Like, yeah. Yeah. How about how about this, Egwene? Stand in the middle of the street and channel. And, <laughs> you know, draw the Black Aja to you. Let's just see what happens then. Come on. Come on. Do you want to share the ending of, of the chapter with Elaine's reaction to Egwene's behavior? Oh, yeah, sure. Elaine stalks over to her and slaps her in the face. Yep, she sure does. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe my eyes. I had totally forgotten about this. I didn't yeah. remember it at all. If you would have asked me if something like this ever happens in the book, I would say no. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it, that happened. I like what she has to say afterwards, too, where she says, you go too far, too far. We must live together or we will surely die together. And then she's like, did you give Elhuan your real name? Nynaeve did what she did because she was trying to protect us and you're just being kind of a brat. And that, that was a jerky thing to say. Chill. Chill. Yeah. I mean, too, like, just think if this woman remembers the name Moraine, Mm -hmm. like, how much danger could that put Moraine in? Yeah. I just, so dumb. So dumb. So dumb. Mm Mm-hmm. And two, it's such a low blow because I guess when you're first reading this book, you might not see it at first. Mm-hmm. But I think out of all of the characters in the Wheel of Time, Nynaeve is the most loyal. Like, mm. you can pick many descriptors for her, but when it comes down to it, like the people that she's chosen for her family, mm-hmm. like, she would die for you, she would mm-hmm. do anything. Yeah. She would put herself, you know, in great danger to help the people that she cares the most about. And yeah. so Egwene saying that, you know, she's she's like just using people mm-hmm. and putting them in danger. Mm-hmm. That's brutal. brutal. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to that one chapter, too, where, like, that's fine if you guys want to argue, but if you're going to 
stand on the sidelines and pick apart every single thing that the other one wants to do. Like you better come with a plan instead mm-hmm. of just foot stomping and mm. being petulant. Yes. Oh, girls. I do have a question on this behavior that is being displayed among the three women. And it is frustrating, but do you feel as though it is also realistic in the way that it's written? Like this, in particular, I'm thinking about the power struggle between Nynaeve and a queen. Yeah, for like a movie like Mean Girls, but... (laughs) Ooh, okay, yeah. It's just... I don't know. And maybe, too, this is me coming to the Wheel of Time much later than most people who read it, like, in their youth. Yeah. Because as I read it now as an adult, I'm just, I don't have the patience for, Uh like, these displays Mm. where it's like, if you're going to say something, be direct, Mm -hmm. be mature, you know, Mm -hmm. and not, like... I don't know, just just think about your actions and what the what the reaction could be. Like mm-hmm. I think the thing that upsets me the most is this is like the fate of the world, right? Like we're talking about the apocalypse yep. here yep. and it's like, mm-hmm. no, like I'm gonna be mad. And it's like there are bigger fish to fry. Excuse the fish pun. But we're in tears, <laughs> so I think that's okay. I think it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. The fate of the world, ladies. The fate of the world. Right. Get it together. It, it, that does feel like that should be enough to just, like, click everything into place. It's... Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> if, it was, if it was in the setting of, like, a high school or something, sure. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. But this is yeah. on a world-saving mission, so yeah. you know you're not pla- you're not passing notes in study hall or whatever anymore anymore. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, chapter forty-nine. Sure, a storm and tear. I think we may have mm-hmm. jumped ahead of ourselves a little bit though, because I think Julian comes in on this chapter. Yeah. He's he's introduced, but then like the his interactions with uh, Nynaeve and Egwene and Elaine are all Elaine, Elaine are all in chapter forty nine. Okay, okay. Regardless, regardless, it just means that we've already covered stuff already. So introducing our next thief catcher, not thief taker, Julian Sandar. I was excited to see him too. He agrees to take on finding the the women Nynaeve describes to him. The evening passes, and it's time for dreaming. Egwene falls asleep with the stone ring, still looking for answers, as always. But this time, the dream ends with dread, knowing that those they have been pursuing are waiting for them. Matt and Tom also find themselves at the docks of Tyr. Matt is determined to find and stop Komar from killing Elaine, Egwene, and Nynaeve. Despite the torrential downpour, Matt is good to his word and out searching shortly after locating an inn. The evening ends with partial success, but the threat of violence is still very real for the women he came to rescue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. This was, I mean, this was interesting because we've got, in the previous chapter, Egwene is thinking about, like, dreams that she's having and... Mm-hmm. This and that, and she's thinking about Matt dicing with the Dark One, mm-hmm. and all of these, are they dreams, are they not dreams, is it prophecy, what is it, What are, mm-hmm. what's going on with her, and now we come to Matt, who's like, had his eureka moment, where he's like, I figured it out, like, all of these things that I've been feeling, it's luck, like, mm-hmm. it's luck. I know how to find the girls. I know how to find, you know, my way, like, into, I guess he's found his way to kind of, like, decode Mm. 
his luck, if that makes sense. So we're starting to get like the like the defining superpower of Matt Cawthon. Yeah. And I think possibly even like the first maybe obvious display. Yeah, like his like this isn't just a one or two time thing. This is going to keep happening and it has uh not rules but almost things that he can kind of expect and like figuring out how to navigate what those expectations Mm -hmm. might be where he's like, it has to be random. Like, this is why I can't beat you at stones, Tom, is it's just not random enough. But at dice, right? pretty random. Yeah. I loved this whole showdown inside the inn with Komar. Yep. And... We've got, I think it was an innkeeper being like, yeah, this guy over here keeps winning. Mm-hmm. And Tom puts on this kind of private little <laughs> display of cheating at dice to kind mm-hmm. of show Matt and the innkeep how this man is doing it. Yep. And so after Matt, Matt being how he is, He's not taking very kindly upon the situation. And he's going to do the Matt thing to do, which is be just and, I guess, out this guy. And uh-huh. it kind of goes awry. Like, yep. I think he was just hoping to kind of catch him at cheating. Mm-hmm. But instead, like, all hell breaks loose. All yep. hell breaks loose. Yeah. Like. Now that he knows for sure, like when Matt decides to sit down with Komar to join this game of dice, everything about it, I just love from the yawning to the throwing down an Andorran gold coin right away, like, and Komar being like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to take this guy right away. And Matt being like, ah, 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 I'll toss my own dice with your dice and Mm -hmm. that's fine. And, you know, he's thinking, we'll go back and forth a couple times. And, you know, if we keep throwing the same thing. Everyone's going to know he's cheating. Yeah, that's going to be enough. But no, Matt's luck just like pulls it because, you know, he has to throw an absolutely winning hand. He can't tie. It has to win. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then a fight breaks out and... Just when it looks like Matt's maybe not going to come out unscathed, mm-hmm. this Komar, like, breaks his back. So it results in Tom. Oh, okay, before that, the innkeeper is like, look, like, you got to go now. Like, everyone's going to look the other way because Komar's been cheating them all at dice anyways. Yeah. When the guard comes, I'm going to tell them that it was some man and I'm just going to use the description of a random man in my dr- from my dreams last night with red hair and gray eyes <coughs> rand and <laughs> like you need to go now so they run out the door and I had totally forgot that you know this innkeeper is like oh yeah by the way like I'm dreaming of rand too yeah that's that's actually one of the things that seems to be kind of not necessarily super saturating, but it's definitely like seeping into these chapters or these glimpses of Rand and around corners or in dreams. And it's he is such a prevalent presence without even being in the chapters. And I think this... I think this is really good writing on Robert Jordan's part. Like, yeah, agreed. Agreed. I really hope that next season of The Wheel of Time, they take a, I don't know, Mm -hmm. take an instance from the book in this manner where even though Rand's maybe not on screen, there will be instances where he is referenced through Mm -hmm. like something like this Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah. And even later on when, like, Nynaeve's walking through the mall and that guy falls and the fish come out and they make, like, a perfect circle. Like... Yeah, she even at one point sees someone and she thinks it's Rand and she's like, no, yeah. no, it can't be him. Yeah, he's way out on Amit the plane. He can't possibly be here. Really? Mm-hmm. Can't possibly be here? He thinks you're in the White Tower. You can't possibly be in tear, according to Randall Thor. <laughs> right? They all, I, I love this. I love how by like the next chapter, everyone's, everyone's in tear. Everyone's there. Like, mm-hmm. huge smile on my face. I know things aren't going to go great, but I'm excited. I just want to see the city. Like, I oh, know yeah. that we've seen Tear, like the fingers or whatever, mm-hmm. where young baby Swan and Papa Swan are. And that was cool and all. But, like, mm-hmm. I want to see this setting in a city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think all of the mud and the clogs and yep. mm-hmm. the fish and it just seems cool and it seems different than everything else that we've seen on the show so far. I so I hope they do it like properly. Like give mm-hmm. us, I feel like you could almost give it like a New Orleans feel or something. Oh, I love that. I don't mind some of the changes that have been done for costumes but i do really like the outfits that are described that the women wear in the mall in tier it's the aprons it's the little tiered aprons why does that sound so cute i want to see that i want that to be part of the costume matching hats when i was getting to the descriptions of the men like Mm -hmm. I the tv show took over in my head and I could only see like Papa Suanche really Mm -hmm. yeah was it was Mm -hmm. it a good a good like yeah 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 it was pretty much like I just saw I saw him like how he was in the show but the only difference was like the sash like having like this big outrageous like really brightly colored sash mm-hmm. so that was about like the only difference that's cool i i did i actually did <laughs> i didn't even think about the show when i got to the part of reading about tear um maybe it's because it's such a brief moment in the in the series and I'm so focused on Swan in the moment. But yeah, I can it it's actually a pretty close description to what the men are said to be wearing in the mall. That's cool. Let's go to the mall. If you like what you hear, rate and review us anywhere you listen to the podcast. This helps new listeners find the show. This podcast is brought to you by you. If you'd like to fund the show and receive cool stuff while doing it, check out The Road to Tarvalin on Patreon. All tiers can join us weekly for live recordings on our Discord server. Lastly, our Wheel of Time shop has a new web address and international shipping is finally live. Find all the links in our show notes and thanks for listening and joining us on The Road to Tarvalin. So yeah, right. next chapter? <laughs> sure. The oh, hammer. I- is that yeah, right? I also, yeah, as far as, like, costumes and stuff goes, I am very interested in seeing the Terran nobility outfits. I like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I really, what they're based on is such a fun style of clothing from history and I would love to see it in the show with like whatever embellishments and changes that would come about because of you know who's working on it and everything but I want that still I don't know why I still want that but I do yeah I think they've done great with all of the outfits I just want to, I just want Amazon to keep throwing more money at them, you know, like more, <laughs> yeah. bigger, more outrageous. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Keep going. I'm all for that. 
And I agree. Okay, so chapter 50, The Hammer. Guess who else just landed in Tear? <laughs> Parent mm-hmm. and crew have arrived and go about finding a place to stay while they try to locate Rand and any other dangers hidden in the city. The inn is right next to a smithy, and Perrin feels pulled in by memories of home. While the day had been pleasant, Moraine's news that evening is anything but. There is more danger waiting them in Tear than expected. And why is that? Because one of the Forsaken Uh, is pretending to be a tyrant lord. Yeah, the High Lord Saman. I want to know how she knows for sure. Oh my god, what a good question. (laughs) Like. Ah, what a good question. When I, so this chapter I was listening to as I was walking the dog, and I thought maybe I skipped a paragraph or something. Uh Uh-huh. But I think it's just ambiguous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, seriously, what a good question. It's not like she just, like, she couldn't get into the Stone of Tear. To find out, like, you can't just walk up to him and be like, oh, yeah, that guy, that's Bilal, mm-hmm. for sure. Who's, what's she going to do? Ask around, hey, have you by any chance considered that that right. weird <laughs> my lord might be a Forsaken? Might be Bilal, And she knows, she knows which Forsaken yes. it is. Yes. Like, after just admitting she doesn't really know much about any of the Forsaken <laughs> except for, like, the highest powered Forsaken. So it's like, how how would you even know Moraine? How? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Okay, good point. Good point. Oh, man. I you can't... Know, I'm. My wheels are spinning trying to come up with a way. Yeah, like, if if this was a plot in a TV show, I would probably, like, bring this up as being, like, too unbelievable. Like, I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't like it very much. Yeah, I'm currently not liking it very much in the book now that you mentioned it, <laughs> because I'm what just like, I- okay... Yeah, like what did I say in our in our last episode for Rings of Power? I said like when the stranger used his magic, like there was a cost. He had to pay something for it. Yeah. And it looked like he had to heal himself. So it's kind of like when when something like this drops in your lap, like there should it shouldn't be just like acquired for nothing. You yeah. know? Like well, maybe Maybe, like, someone heard something, got killed because of it, and, like, only one person knows. You know, like, there needs to be... Yeah. Needs to be earned. It just feels like it's it's just kind of, like, dropped in her lap. Could she have had, like, a contact, like a... Like an eyes and ears, or even, like, a sister... In tier that she might have been able to be in contact with that I mean, but seriously, how would anyone know that for sure? How would anyone know that for sure? If there was a Forsaken in tier and the Aes Sedai knew and didn't like it wasn't I don't know. I don't know how you could even there's no way that I can think of that makes sense. Huh. Just, no. Can't. It's very frustrating. Oh, man. Yeah. Ugh. Thank you. <laughs> so anyways, you know, no need to beat this dead mm. horse. But we do have this whole montage of Perrin working on a forge. And, like, it's like meditation for him. And mm-hmm. like you said, Robert Jordan being the smart man that he is, like, we get to know about, like, what unsalted water does mm-hmm. for like metal work and what salted water does and what oil does and 
how each thing is useful and what it's used for. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of cool. Like, mm-hmm. it was just interesting. I do think that this was probably like my least favorite of all the chapters, but it wasn't yeah. bad. I I really like the nostalgia present in Perrin's work while he's in the smithy and his thoughts kind of wander. And even things like when he chooses his hammer because he knows he doesn't want to have scars on his arms like some careless fool and some other village close by had, like... There's so much about this that connects him to uh, this is like kind of like Nynaeve with the the wisdom or the the healer shop where she gets to touch on her expertise parent gets a moment to enjoy what he loves doing and it's really it's cool to see him in this setting instead of just always being heard like having him being referred to as blacksmith He's always called blacksmith, but now we get to see him be one, and I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, and even Fail like makes that mention, like, "Oh, I didn't actually think you were a blacksmith." So you really Clearly are. Clearly, you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really interesting, though, because in each point of view, we're getting mm-hmm. to see like the backbone of each character like Mm. matt is the scoundrel but what is he he is the gambler so like that's what he's doing in this chapter Nynaeve is the healer that's what she's doing in this chapter perrin is the blacksmith that's what he's doing in this chapter Egwene is the (laughs) Mm mm-hmm I don't know what she is. She doesn't get anything <laughs> cool. She's um, the complainer. The oh oh, mm. writing it down. Okay. Did I say Elaine? I meant Egwene. If I said no, I think you said I Egwene. said the wrong name. So I think the other thing about Matt that comes out in this chapter about him is his drive to keep his word at least in, like up to this point like he's so worried about what's going to potentially happen to Egwene, Elaine, Elaine and Nynaeve that he can barely sleep on his way to Tyr and then they get there and it's pouring rain and he's like we'll find an inn and then we're out right away again tonight I either find them or I find Komar that's what's happening and that's what happens like A lot of it, Mm -hmm. of course, has to do with his luck, but it's also, like, his dedication to it that he sees through. He's like, people need me, and I need to be there for them. And I I like that we get that from Matt's character, even though I don't think he realizes that that's what he's telling us, is he's, like, rescuing Mm. those silly girls, things like that, you know? Yeah. I could just maybe be a big Matt fan, though. Matt fangirl. <laughs> That's totally fine. I appreciate Matt a lot. He has some fun chapters. Agreed. He has some not so fun chapters, but he also just gets some of the very best and most ridiculous Wheel of Time moments. And that's part of his appeal for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, though. I don't have anything else for this chapter, really. I guess the only other thing that was cute, interesting, was Loyal being like, man, I should have stayed in the setting. My mom would have picked me out a nice girl. She, My mom wouldn't find me a terrible girl. Yep. And Warren's like, you can go, you know. And then mm-hmm. Fayil's like, man, can I go? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you have to stay, Fael. Nope. I I think Moraine's impatience with Loyal is really fun in this chapter because it so rarely seems to happen, but she's definitely on edge. And I think at one point she says something like, I need your long memory 
not your long wind. Like, be brief for once. <laughs> we have stuff we need to do. What do you know about the law? Let's go. He doesn't know a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, apparently, like, <laughs> apparently Loyal is the only one worth anything here. Maureen can magically come across information of a Forsaken, but right. Loyal's the real goat here. He's the one who knows shit. As if there was ever a doubt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, oh, the last thing on this one is Lan's observation of Aiel on the roofs of Tyr. And then Perrin saying, like, what he had talked to the Aiel and Remen about. He said that when the stone falls, the Aiel will leave the threefold land. And that it, that was part of Aiel prophecy. And Moraine's all like, I've read every bit of the prophecy and every translation possible, and none of them mentioned the Aiel. <laughs> At the end of that, I think she also recognizes that I mean, maybe this is my hopeful interpretation of Moraine, but she recognizes that, you know, she can't possibly know everything even if she feels as though she's read everything. And there's just a shit ton of shit out there that she does not know. And somehow she knows Bilal is running tear. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be, like, my piece of puzzlement for, like, ever now. How does Maureen So, can we move to the next chapter? Absolutely. Bait in the Net, chapter 51. Oof. We absolutely can move to this chapter. Okay, chapter 51, Bait for the Net. Nynaeve is returning back to Mother Gwenna's house when Julian locates her with news that he has found the women they had been looking for. They hurry back to find that he has indeed found them, but the Black Sisters have chosen to come after Nynaeve, Elaine, and Egwene rather than wait for them. They are beaten and carried off to the Stone of Tear, where they are assured their fate is so much worse than they could have thought it would be. Yeah. This was so hard. So hard. So hard. Uh... Like, for one... Leandrin is just awful. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for show watchers to get this reveal of like Black Aja Leandrin, mm. you know? Mm. Mm. I hope they can pull it off in a way that it is very shocking. Yeah. I'm thinking about where Nynaeve is on the ground and Leandrin is like kind of crouches next to her and gets really close to her and is talking to her. And I can see Kate Fleetwood and is it Zoe Robbins? Mm-hmm. I can see them in this moment, this face off together and it would just be. Oh yeah. So and, good. Like, what- there's so much like hitting and punching too in these chapters. I don't know why, like lots of slapping. But Nynaeve just like beats the snot out of Leandra and like I think she punches her, right? Yeah. 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 And then like, one of yep. the other I one of the other black Aja gets slapped. She backhands her hard enough yes. that she falls on her ass. Yes. <laughs> that moment's so good. It's so good. I mean, lots of violence this <laughs> today, I guess. But I think there's so much going on and my heart goes out to Julian because, you know, yeah. he and Mother Gwenna. Gwenna, uh-huh. Yeah, like, she's pretty much, like, tied to a chair. Yeah. And, like, she's making eye contact with Nynaeve and Nynaeve she reads this eye contact as pretty much embarrassment when Mistress Gwenna is like I didn't see anything you know like I won't talk like it's you know I won't I won't give anything away like you know just let me live Mm -hmm. and I think after this woman has gained Nynaeve's respect, Mm -hmm. when 
she says, like, I didn't see anything and she'll be let go. Mm-hmm. Nynaeve could have been upset. She could have been mm-hmm. angry. She could have been just as mad and wanted to hit her. But she, like, respected this woman. And I think she, like, saw the truth in her eyes, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't this. She didn't have another another choice, this poor yep. woman. Mm-hmm. And Nynaeve wasn't going to hold that over her. And I think, too, like, we get these descriptors of, I think it's Leandrin who's speaking, and she says something about Julen, like, don't be too hard on this man, and mm-hmm. Nynaeve is like, the way that she said man sounds like how you would say dog. Like, mm-hmm. that's just how wretched leandrin is mm-hmm. yep the part that you were talking about the interaction between mother gwenna and nynaeve it almost felt like nynaeve was even trying to offer comfort from yeah being beaten to the ground like she completely mm-hmm. understands like she knew the risks nynaeve knew the risks and she she let Mother Gwenna and Julian know as best she could these are the risks. I do not think that they were expecting compulsion to take part in it, that they would be like Leandrin would be able to make Julian do what he did. Like he doesn't really mm-hmm. have an option in this. And she can also absolutely see that this is life or death for Mother Gwenna. And there's no way. Nynaeve, our healer, is going to hold this against her. Like, it just, it's one of the best parts of Mm -hmm. her character. I wonder how different this scene would have been if we got it from anyone else's point of view. Mm. I always wonder about that. Is there someone's point of view you would want to see this from? Probably Elaine. Ooh, yeah, okay. I feel like it would either be really almost, I don't want to say funny, but you know how like when she saw the soul dom or the domine punch the soul dom and she was like, Mm -hmm. way to go. Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I would love to see what Elaine's like inner thoughts were like seeing Nynaeve like beat the snot out of some of these women and like hand to hand, like not with channeling, but like, oh, we're gonna like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, we're fighting with fists now. Scrapping. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I'm sure she would make some type of analogy to watching her brothers on the mm. battlefield or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because Nynaeve in this instance like she's not fighting fair really like she's Mm -mm. you get the impression that she would claw and bite and kick and do anything Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be like taught as honorable fighting where i feel like elaine would she would only know like what her brothers have been taught by watching them who fight Mm -hmm. fair you know and Mm -hmm. Thinking about Galad and his honor, how he would never do something like that, and then combine that with Nynaeve just kind of like going pure streets, you know? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's that's actually the word that popped into my head as well. Yeah. Like, this isn't, this isn't a fight for honor. This is a fight for survival. And not just yeah. hers, but again, like this is the fate of the world. Like we said earlier, if they are if they are caught, if all three of them are caught, yeah, oh the shit show. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And I don't know. Yeah. There's just yeah. As much as I, I loved reading, like naive fighting, it was also heartbreaking. Like knowing that. 
out of all of these women, poor Egwene is going to be like, oh, shit, not this again, you know? Right. I was just thinking about that because she is the one person I'm kind of glad we don't get her perspective from. Like, poor Egwene. Honestly, her perspective has been shit. Like, yep. I'm so sick of the complaining and the arguing, and I'm mm-hmm. just so over it. So I'm glad it wasn't on her behalf. And I mean, Nynaeve, mm-hmm. too, is even thinking about how, like, man, Egwene's mm-hmm. been really, like, too big for her britches, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she's just, what did she say, like? she could think of a time where Egwene would have been excited about learning different methods of healing than Mm -hmm. anything else. And, like, I don't know. Now what is she? Like, since she's not in the White Tower, she's just sulking and Mm -hmm. upset. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember which one of the Black Aja it was who said how a queen went mad at the idea of being captured and Nynaeve's observance was that her face was so battered and bruised she was barely recognizable. And yeah, yeah. Of course mm-hmm. you just about lost your freaking mind, Egwene. This is capture three for you on book three. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think I think that's another reason why I'm glad to not because I agree with you completely. Like I did not need another whiny Egwene moment, even if it was going to turn into some sort of weird trap being closed by the Black Aja. I was thankful that we are hearing reading from Nynaeve's perspective. And I didn't need to like, go through Egwene being like battered again right just the the visual was enough that was more than enough my heart absolutely breaks for that girl even if she has been whiny and a nuisance recent recently this is just no one deserves this no one needs that yeah i don't know it's it's rough it's rough Mm -hmm. you as much as i harp on Egwene, like i still feel terrible about the situation that she ends up in yeah yeah (sighs) it's hard it's hard Mm -hmm. but of course like now it's a whole new threat right like first it's the white cloaks then it's the sean chen now it's the black aja so it's like Mm -hmm. we are getting more and more dangerous here like each group Mm -hmm. it's like a more Mm -hmm. dangerous group so Mm -hmm. yeah and they all lean towards violence as a form of gaining submission so that on top of everything else psychological physical abuse this poor girl has gone through just really i just really feel for going right now Oh, and then, then, as if all of that shit wasn't bad enough, (laughs) they're like, we're going to have 13 Madral show up at the stone. And then there's screaming on one side of the carriage and laughter on the other. And oh, what an image this makes. It's so dark and so cool at the same time. I like Mm. this. Yeah, I don't know. Do we want to get to spoiler stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I don't really have anything more to add, so please. So when I was talking about all of the Emmonsfield group having a kind of like point about their backgrounds, like Nynaeve, Mm -hmm. healing, Perrin, blacksmithing, Mm -hmm. Egwene, I don't know what. Uh huh. I guess it wouldn't have been like very much fun seeing her like wait tables in an inn or something, <laughs> or like fetching water for someone. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. But even like looking at it now, maybe this is more of like a clue that 
Egwene never really has her thing. You know, like it's just mm. becoming an Aes Sedai. And in this instance, she is kind of like holding herself up on a pedestal in this very stereotypical Aes Sedai manner where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, like maybe this is just more of like a foreshadowing than it is of a like nod to her past. For her, it's more about the future. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, and I mean, so much about everything that's coming along her way, too, is going to push her even further towards that. Like, she even assumes the identity of an Aes Sedai once she's in Tyr, or once, like, they take over the stone and she keeps it while she's with the Aiel. Like, it's not really her identity yet, but it feels like the one that she wants to have above anything else. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. It is kind of like the Aes Sedai identity is, I, I guess, Egwene's true identity. Like, that's her final form, I mm-hmm. would say. Like, Amerlin, mm-hmm. that's, that's it. So, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, Egwene is, or Egwene, Elaine is always the princess, the queen, right? Yep. Like. Daughter heir. Daughter heir. Like, I guess Egwene is the only one that didn't really have a prior Mm -hmm. stereotypical, like, self, you know? Yeah. Or even, like, an occupation to carry forward with her. Right. 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 Yeah. Except for the best little water carrier. (laughs) I think she's probably okay leaving that behind her. (laughs) How much did you love when Elaine was like, Mother Gwena, what would you do for two women who just can't get along with one another? I thought that was such a fun story. And Mother Gwena's like, well... I'd make them pay me a lot of money and then I would take them out back and shove their head in a barrel of water and nobody tells anyone because they're embarrassed, but it always works, so they always keep coming back. (laughs) New customers. I love Elaine's reaction to that. Yeah, like she's sitting there just like laughing about it. She's like, this is hilarious. And Aguin is like, Elaine. And then Elaine just laughs harder. Uh, I find her truly delightful in these chapters, slapping and everything included. Like, she she feels like she has a fun balance of humor and a good head on her shoulders. Like, she's smart, but she's also funny and accessible in a way that you probably aren't expecting your average, quote-unquote, average princess to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She is not a Disney princess. I mean, that's probably this pretty accurate This is true. This statement. is true. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I had never really thought about it that way before. <laughs> like traditional princess roles versus Elaine. Traditional expected princess roles. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's always fun, too. That's why she likes cursing so much. It's like. Right. She's. That's her, like, rebellious side. It's so funny. Yes. <laughs> uh, she's probably got a tattoo somewhere, too. Oh, my God. If, <laughs> if Okay, now I want to, like, think of, like, what all the Wheel of Time characters have as tattoos. As tattoos? I mean, Rand, Rand literally has a tattoo, so that's easy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Perrin would be like the stereotypical like guy that owns a barber shop slash tattoo mm. parlor slash mm. coffee grinder place cafe. <laughs> One of those. Oh god. Elaine's tattoo. <laughs> right? I feel I like feel it would like be like <laughs> It would be like a skull and crossbones, and it would say Mommy's Little Monster. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. 
Because I was like, I don't think she's going to want like something like a rose or a dagger or anything like weird like that. Like, what would she have? It would be something like a very punk rock. You know, that would be her way of rebelling. Absolutely. It would have to be. Go along with all of her cussing. She has, she has an entire stash of her wardrobe that's nothing but black leather. <laughs> right? Oh, God. No one knows about it. <laughs> Except for Avienda. Every once in a while, they head out to Camelin. <laughs> oh, yeah. They probably, have, they probably have friendship tattoos. They, so. they have bestie tattoos. That's what they have. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Elaine totally is that girl. I think that's why I like her so much more now than when I was younger. I didn't really recognize her as she was. I was, like, all wrapped up in a queen for some reason. Forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> Older self. Well, we I don't really have any big spoiler things to discuss. And if you want to, like, wrap up now and we can save your voice, I'm totally good for that. Um, I'm, I just want to think if I, if there was anything else. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Perrin gets his hammer in yeah. these chapters. The oh, hammer yeah, that yeah. sticks with him almost to the end of the friggin' season. So, yeah, I was really like, I'm really looking forward to Perrin having his weapons in the TV show because so far, yeah. like, no axe, no hammer. So what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. The things that identify Perrin as Perrin just haven't been, like, added to his character yet. I'm kind of eager to see where they're going to go with it. I really want the... I hate to go back to costume and stuff, but I really feel as though... Parent deserves a better costume. Oh, yeah. He's got kind of like that Shrek tune yeah. on for far I feel like too they could long. do something. Yeah, they can do something so much better for him. Like, I, I, I really want to see Perrin's wardrobe game stepped up. I know that's not really, like, probably of huge importance to Perrin, but... This isn't this isn't about you, Perrin. It's about us wanting you to have a better costume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would let's, love that. Let's end it on that note. Aspirations um, of costumes, cursing, hammers, and slapping for season and tattoos. two. And tattoos. <laughs> yes. Most importantly. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.